Let's get started. You know, this Parsha, the Torah and tea, is called Mishpatim. <coughs> Mishpatim are uh, translated as the uh, the laws, the uh, um, cases, um, uh, the laws that, you know, which the Torah has. Generally, the Torah has basically three categories of laws. Uh, some of them are logical laws. Uh, some of them are uh, testimonials, like we celebrate, remember certain dates. And some of them are statues. Those are just illogical uh, or not rational laws. They're just Hashem's command. Hashem told us to do. So in this parish we talk about the Mishpat. There's a lot of monetary issues over here. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, details and various different laws. We'll talk about one detail, but it's something like something very amazing, you know. In this sicha, uh, uh, as we do today, we usually do. We're doing the third sicha of the portion of Mishpatim in volume sixteen. So there's it talks about laws of theft, but it's 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 fascinating to see how the Torah is protective, even from a thief, you know, sometimes people say, lock him up and throw away the key, you know, but here, you see how the Torah is also making sure and being protective, let's, let's not jump ahead, let's just talk a little bit about the laws, and then we'll talk about the specific law, so generally there is a rule, if a person steals from another person. The word stealing in this context is means a ganav. You know, a ganav means somebody who steals. There is a difference between a ganav and a gazlan. We're not going to speak a lot about that today, but there is also a difference, and the Sikha discusses that as well, but it gets too detailed. But a ganav is somebody who steals when nobody sees. A gazlan is a robber. He does it in the open. Now, it's interesting enough, if a person goes in, in daylight, snatches your pocketbook, say, steals it from you, and then he's caught, or he wants to repent, or he's caught, he's brought to court, he has to pay what he stole, and have to give it back, that's all. But somebody who's a thief who steals when nobody sees, comes at nighttime, steals some from somebody without anybody seeing. So over there, the Torah says that when he's caught, he has to pay double. You have to pay what's called kefal, shnayim yishav. you got to pay double. you got to pay twice as much. So if you stole something valued at $100, you're going to have to pay back $200. $100 is the principal, an additional $100 is a penalty. If you stole openly when everybody can see, then there's no penalty. You just got to pay back what you stole. And there's an interesting reasoning over there too. The reasoning, and we're not discussing that in this passage over here, but the reasoning over there is because a thief is treating Hashem worse than a robber. Because a robber isn't afraid of anybody. So he does his thing. He's not afraid of people. 
and he's not afraid of Hashem. So I guess his sin is not as great. He just does things in the open. But a Ganev, who does things in a quiet way, so he's afraid of people, and then he's afraid, not afraid of Hashem. He thinks Hashem doesn't see me. So he believes he's afraid of people and not afraid of Hashem. It's worse. It's better to not be afraid of anybody than to just be afraid of people and not of Hashem. Because being afraid of people and not of Hashem, you're putting Hashem in a lesser category. Let's give another example that the Medrash brings. Say like a person makes a party. He makes a party. He doesn't invite anybody. Just his family. He doesn't invite anybody, just the family. Okay, that's one. Then you have another person who invites a lot of different people. But the important people, the children of, of the king, he doesn't invite. So who's, who's worse? Or who, who did a worse sin? The one who didn't invite anybody, at least he didn't insult the children of the king. Because he didn't invite anybody. But if the person who invites other people, he leaves out the children of the king. You know, sometimes there's parents, unfortunately, which, you know, whatever the case is, you know, having run a school, so I know some of these uh, issues, they're not happy with a teacher. So, what do they do? So when it comes like the end of the year or comes Hanukkah, they're going to give a present to the teachers that they like. And they do it openly. And the teacher they don't like or they have a grudge, they don't give them. So who's worse? If you have... Again, I'm not talking about do they have a right to do it or not. I'm just talking about if somebody doesn't give anybody a gift. Okay. So... Nobody's insulted. But if you give everybody else and you don't give one teacher, then you're insulting that teacher. So you insult Hashem more by saying, oh, I'm afraid of people, but I'm not afraid of you. Hashem is not so insulted, so to speak, if you say, you know what, I'm not afraid, not of people, not Hashem. No, doesn't care about anybody. So... That's one explanation, but that's not what we're talking about over here. The bottom line I want to talk about is if you steal and you steal it in a hidden way, you don't brazenly go and take something from the other person. You steal it in a hidden way. Then the Torah says, if you're caught, there's witnesses that saw that you did it, then you're going to pay back what you, t- what you take, and you're also going to pay double. You pay double. That's called kefal. And then there is another further halacha, which is an interesting, is halacha in the Pasuk. The Pasuk in Lamed Zayin, this Parsha, says like this, What happens ki yignoiv ish shoir oiseh? If you stole an ox or a sheep, Again, in the olden days, people had oxen and sheep, and most of them were farmers. They, this was a big part of the uh, economy, was people would raise uh, 
and they'd use the ox to plow with and the sheep for the wool, for the shearing. So this was a so if a person goes to another person's uh, backyard and they steal a ox or they steal a sheep. Now, stop right here. Let's say they're caught. Somebody saw them and he brings them to court, court and he says, you stole the ox and the sheep at nighttime when I was sleeping and you stole the ox and the sheep. And they come to Basin and they testify in front of the court. So what would be the ruling then? I mean, everything fits. Then the person would have to pay back the ox. He'd have to pay back the sheep, what he stole. I mean, if he doesn't have it, he has to pay the value of the ox, the value of the sheep. And plus, he has to pay double. He has to pay a second payment. Another ox, another sheep. Let's say the ox is valued at 500. So now he has to pay 1,000. Two oxen or 1,000. He has to pay the value of the first ox. Same thing in the sheep. But now we're talking something else happened. That would be if he just stole it. The Torah says, what happens? Utvachoy. He goes and he slaughters. The ox and the sheep are both kosher animals, right? And the person goes and he shechts it. And he's going to eat the ox or he's going to eat the meat. Either he shechted it or what else he did with it? Mechoroi. Or he went and he sold it. He stole it from one person. He stole it from one individual. And then he goes and sells it to another individual. At this case, the Torah increases the penalty. So the Torah says, Chamisha Bokor, that he has to pay five cattle, Yishalem Tachas Hasher, in the place of the ox that he stole, since he shechted it, he slaughtered it, or he sold it. So now he's going to have to pay five times as much, not two times as much. If he didn't shecht it, if he didn't sell it, then he'd only pay two times as much. There's a special ruling the Torah says. If you shecht it, you're going to pay, or you sell it, you're going to pay five cattle in the place of the ox. But you'll only pay v'arba tzoyin, you'll only pay four sheep, tachas in the uh, uh, instead of the sheep. So for the sheep, you will play four times as much. And for the ox, you'll pay five times as much. Well, so again, let's get the laws here together. For stealing without and just getting caught, you're going to pay double. If you shechted it or you sold it, Depending on what it is, an ox, you'll have to pay five times as much, which means the principal plus four. By a sheep, you'll pay the principal, the principal plus three. Now we're learning Mishpatim logical, so you'll say, hey, what's the difference? What is the logic behind five and four? Why do we say five and four? So it's interesting to read the Rashi. We'll read the Rashi, what Rashi explains. Why five and why four? 
So Rashi says, Omar Rabon Yochanon ben Zakai. Rabbi Yochanon ben Zakai says, he says, Chos hamokoim al kvoidon shel briyos. God was protective, or God cared about the honor of his created beings. Here we're talking about a thief. Yeah, and in some versions it actually sees, says that God was protective on the honor of a thief's. Even a thief, God is protective of their honor. You know, an ox, when you want to steal an ox from somebody's backyard or from the barn where they keep the oxen, uh, you take the ox and you walk with it. But a sheep cannot walk these distances from the house of the person you're stealing it to, to your house. So how do you bring the sheep that you're stealing from the home of the one that you stole it to your place, to your barn? What do you do? You got to carry it on your back. You got to carry a sheep on your back. That's how you carry it. I guess in the olden days, they didn't load it up on the wagons or anything else. Is to put the sheep on their back, and that's the way you used to, if you wanted to steal it, that's what you did it. So it turns out that if he stole an ox, the thief just led the ox, and that's the way he stole him. So Shoir Sokhtrashi, Rashi says, Shoir Shoilech Beraglo of an ox that goes by foot. The Ganov was not degraded to carry it on his shoulder. He wasn't degraded. He didn't have to carry it on his shoulder. So then the Torah says, okay, you pay five. Because the ox, you didn't go through any humiliation. Again, it's strange a little bit, right? The guy is stealing. But if you steal... And you go through some, if you go through no humiliation, then we say you're going to pay four times as much. But a said, when we talk about a sheep, you have to carry it on your shoulder. So over there we say, you're only going to pay four. Since he was degraded. So, in other words, you paid a little price for your theft already. So we're not going to collect five, but we're going to collect four. So, let's analyze this for a minute, and let's just see. So what is, by right, it seems like, according to this view, by right, you should always pay five. Just like the ox pays five, you should pay for the sheep, you should pay five as well. The Torah has reduced. The Torah has lowered some of the payment because the person, the thief, had to degrade himself when he stole it. So the Torah said, so in other words, you already paid a certain price for your theft, so we're going to lower it, and you're only going to pay an additional three not additional four. But the rightful payment should be five. But the Torah lowered it 
and said four because he went through humiliation to grab to carry the ox. We'll see. Rabbi? Yes? But no one is seeing the thief carry. Good question. Sheep. If he's a thief, nobody's seeing him, right? Good question. Okay. Unless it's an internal degradation. No, well, uh, it looks like that other people are seeing him. But the other thing is, it's a good question. We'll discuss that in a minute. Okay. And uh, the other thing is that it seems in... um, um, I was going to say, um, look at this, look at, you see, you, you, this is the question. Where is the shame when no one sees him? Right. See? Oh, she doesn't see it. But that's the question that I put on the board, on the, on the Zoom, oh. on the slide. <laughs> I was just reading it. Where is the shame when no, when no one sees him? I forgot that you can't see it either. So we can't see right. you. Okay, so that's the question. But then there's another question. The other question would be, why don't we find the difference in the payment at the time of the theft? Only if they sell or shecht or slaughter it that we find. According to Rabbi Yochum and Zaka, we don't understand if the shame, and this is interesting how the Rebbe uh, explains that, the shame that the thief has, whatever the shame he does have, right, by the sheep versus the ox, when does that shame take place? Does that take place at the time that he's stealing it? Does that, or does that have anything to do when he is slaughtering or selling it. The shame that he goes through is when he steals it. So let's say a person stole an ox or a person stole a sheep and he went through the shame and he didn't shecht it and he he didn't slaughter it and he didn't sell it. How much would he pay? The same, two. Two for an ox and two for a sheep, because there is no difference. The only time the difference takes place is once he shechts it, or once he sells it, then we change the four to five. The ox pays four, the sheep pays five. So the question is, if he was shamed, we have to lower the price. Because he was shamed, why don't we lower the price just by regular theft. Why do we say that the uh, one stealing an ox and one stealing a sheep pay double when he didn't shecht it or, or sell it? Why isn't there a difference over there? Because by the ox, he didn't go through any shame. By the sheep, he went through the shame. In other words, the question is, the shame takes place at the time of the theft, not at the time of slaughtering it or selling it. So we have two, basically two questions that we need to understand. Number one is what you mentioned. Where is the shame? 
when nobody sees him because he's a theft, he's doing it at nighttime, nobody sees him. And number two, if there is shame, why don't we make a difference between an ox and a sheep when you steal it, not when you're shechting it or you're selling it? So the way the Rebbe explains it, very interesting. The Rebbe says that's correct. During the time when you're stealing it, nobody sees, so there's really no shame over there. When you steal something and you come to the base din, it doesn't really make a difference. If it's not an ox or a sheep that you shechted or you sold, you just told whether it's a sheep or an ox, whether you stole a garment, you stole money, you stole the inheritance, whatever you stole, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. If you stole something, you have to pay double. So when you come to court, Beisden isn't interested exactly what is the item. Beisden is interested the value. How much money did you steal from the other person? And Bezdin says, whatever you steal, you're going to pay double. But when it comes to an ox or a sheep, over there, if you shecht it or you sell it, over there, Bezdin is going to start asking you questions. What is it that you stole? Oh, you went and you stole a sheep. Ah, when you stole the sheep, at the time, based in here, all the people in the court, whoever is there is, ha, look what you went through. You went through, you slept it on your back. The shame is not at the time that he's stealing it. The shame is when it comes into the open to the court that everybody finds out, look what this guy did. This guy went, he wanted to steal, and he went and he even put this calf, this sheep, on his back. I don't know, today, I'm just, it's just a side note, today, stealing has not become such an embarrassing thing, <laughs> you know, as long as you can get away with it, you know, then actually people uh, think, you know, you gotta be uh, foolish not to steal, you know, everybody... You say, that's the way you do business, you know? You cheat a little here, you cheat a little there. That's the way you make a living today. No, I'm just... And prosecutors in certain states, including New York, yeah. have said that if you steal under, uh, either nine, I think under $950, it's a misdemeanor. Um, and we're not even going to bother. And so the crime rate has gone up. But, you know, yeah, okay. But that's... But here the point is... We're talking about a person being embarrassed, being caught by the theft. So I was just saying, contrasting that today with the psycho psychology today, today they just got openly and nobody's embarrassed, you know, with their theft. They're embarrassed that they got caught, you know. But, but in any event, the way the Rebbe explains over here, to explain, the shame is not, when the actual theft takes place. Because at that point, nobody sees him, so there's no degradation over there. The shame takes place when you bring him to Beddin. 
and Beisdin starts to detail what exactly took place over here. Why is Beisdin detailing it over here? Because we need to know. Four? Five? What's the story? So we need to figure out. So everybody hears and sees, look what the guy had to do. He had to slip. This poor guy, he had to slip on his shoulder uh, in order to go ahead and steal. Torah says, okay, we will take off one payment for him. The ox, you didn't shame, you weren't shamed when you did it. So this explains why at the time, if there was no selling or slaughtering it, over there there's no shame because nobody saw what happened over there. And therefore there is no difference. The difference takes place when you shecht it, when you slaughter it or you sell it, and you have to come in front of the court and you have to say, oh, look at what I did. This is what I did. And then we shechted it, then we sold because that applies only to the ox or the sheep that you're going to pay four or five. Then it's going to become known to everybody. So. What if you sold it without shechting it? Is it still the same either, either punishment? Way. Either way. Okay. Uh, it says, look at the verse. It says, oh, I'm sorry, you're not seeing it. The verse says, utvacho, oh. Nancy sees it, yeah? O. O means or. Tvacho means slaughtered. O or mechara. Or he sold it. Chai, you see what I'm showing? Pointing to it, yeah? So it's either, either shechting it, either slaughtering it, mechara. Now, one can argue, and one can say, well, if the uh, one that stole the sheep and carried it out. So that happened by the time they called him to Basden. That happened a long time ago. This happened a long time ago because it takes time till they find him, till they catch him, they bring him to the court. So it takes a, a time. So first of all, already, probably, since he was caught, He's probably not, we're not going to call him anymore a Ganev, because he probably regrets it. Again, unfortunately, some Ganovim are proud of what they did, but we're talking about normal people, if they steal and they're caught, they feel bad that they're caught. And they feel bad that they were uh, caught stealing. You know, that's an embarrassing. Okay, so... Here we have somebody who stole a sheep, say. And we say that really he should pay five. Why is the Torah taking down one portion of it? Because the Torah says you already paid the price because you embarrassed yourself when you were doing it. So you already paid. We're going to deduct it. Who, who embarrassed himself? The, the thief. But the question, really, what comes is, but if the person whose sheep was stolen deserves five, why should he lose one just because the other guy was degraded? A, it happened a long time ago, and B, if the price 
is really five. Why are you reducing one because the thief degraded himself? But this reduction for the thief is basically hurting the one who was stole because he was supposed to get five. And you're only giving him four now because you're saying the thief degraded himself. So first of all, it's not such a big degradation. It took a long time ago. Rabbi Yochum says, no, Hashem is very protective of the honor of people. Hashem protects them. People. We don't even call them a Ganev anymore. And we're trying to protect them. But why would we... Okay, you want to protect the thief. You say he paid his price already. But the fact that the thief paid his price and he was humiliated by schlepping, by us finding out now that he was schlepping the sheep on his back... But why should the one who it was taken from, why should he be losing out? So therefore, Rashi continues, Rameir says, no, no, no. Rameir says, no, listen, he says, from the perspective of the one that was stolen, he did not actually lose so much when the sheep was stolen. Because he says like this, Look how great is the power of work. The power of work, an ox, that it works. Look how great is the power. Why? An ox usually does work. An ox plows the field. An ox schleps. An ox has power, he has strength, so he does work. When you steal somebody's ox, you're not only stealing an animal, but you're taking away the other person's ability to do work. You're taking away the ox, he can't use the ox, he loses out the income from the ox being able to do work. And the Rebbe argues it's not even the money that you lose because of it. It is just, you know, an ox is a working animal. A working animal has its value, even if you pay for the actual loss of the time that you couldn't do the work. But still, a person has a working animal that you have taken away the malacha, you got to pay more for that. However, a sheep, what is a sheep? A sheep doesn't do. The people raise sheep for the hair, the wool of the sheep, sometimes for the meat when they are big enough. And But there is no waste of malachta. There is no waste of work. So over there you only get four. So basically what Rabbi Meir is saying, Rashi combines them, he's saying like this. From the perspective of the thief, he should really pay five. And the reason we're reducing one when it comes to the sheep is because he was degraded, so he paid his price. From the perspective of the uh, person who was stolen, to begin with, the sheep doesn't is not such a loss, not as a great loss as the ox. And therefore, for the sheep, you'll only pay four, and from there you pay five.
Uh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, it's clicking now. Thank you. It makes sense. I hope so. Yeah, it's it's yeah. easier when you, uh, when you look a, a little bit over here. But what I see, what you see also in this uh, Rashi, uh, you know, you see the Torah, or in this, ka- in this word, this is Hashem, Hamokam, the place referring to Hashem. Hashem is protective of the honor of His people. Who are we talking about? We're talking about somebody who went to steal from another person. And yet, the Torah is protective of them. The Torah protects them. I know, I don't know if you're familiar, that Chabad does a lot of work with the people that are in prison. There's a special organization called the Aleph Institute. I mean, we are fortunate, most of us, uh, we have very little familiarity with people in prison. But unfortunately, there is, uh, for reasons good or bad, but there are many Jewish people that uh, find themselves uh, in prison. Uh, who have committed various different crimes, and they spend down spend time in prison. And unfortunately, you have a Jewish population in the prisons, and you also have some of the other countries, like Israelis and others that come to this country. Sometimes they want to make a quick buck, and you know, they get themselves into trouble. So a lot of people think of these people like, you know, who cares about them? You know, they've done a sin, let them do the time. They've done the crime, let them do the time, and that's it. But the Rebbe said no, and they had created this whole institute, the Aleph Institute, to try to help these uh, inmates as much as possible. I related to the people a story that uh, there was once the person from uh, South Africa who was a chaplain in the prisons over there. He came to the Rebbe. It was a whole long story. I'm not going to go through the story. But the Rebbe asked him for Hanukkah, did the inmates have a right to light the Hanukkah menorah? And he says, while the religious... Uh, the religious rites are met, they bring them Passover, they bring a matzah, they bring them uh, Kiddush, grape juice, whatever, but they, he doesn't know about Hanukkah, and he says, but Rebbe says, you should see to it, Rebbe says, when you have a person isolated in a cell all by themselves, you have no, can't imagine what it would mean to a person to be able to light a menorah, to light a light that would give the person courage and give them strength, it would give them some, lift up their spirit. So the rabbi said to the Rebbe, he says, you know what, that's absolutely, you know, important. And next year, this was around Hanukkah time, he says, next year, I will see to it and talk to the uh, people in charge 
to allow for this. And and the Rebbe said to him, but what about this year? This was like a few days before Hanukkah, and it was right during the Goisha holidays and everything. So he says, what about this holiday? So he said, well, there's only... This was already December 24th or something, so it was everybody was partying and uh, nobody was in the offices. So the Rebbe says, you know what? When you leave my office, you should go. Uh, when you leave my the meeting, go to the office. I'll make my phones available to you. I want you to call the people in charge. Anyways, the long story, he says it's the middle of the night in South Africa, but he made the call, and the Rebbe said, they'll see you calling in the middle of the night. They'll know that it's really important. So he calls the uh, the head of the prisons over there, and he told him that the rabbi, he's sitting in New York, and the rabbi is telling him that this would be something. Anyways, he allowed them, and then the Rebbe got him to help also with the prisons in New York who wouldn't allow it. And then the Rebbe sent a gift to this uh the head of the prisons. So he said to him, he came to pick up the gift, he says, I can't believe there's a rabbi sitting in New York and he worries about a prisoner in, sitting in a lonely cell in South Africa. I mean, if he said that rabbi is like, you know, he sent him a gift, I'm going to come pick up his gift. So this level of compassion, even for somebody who sins, even for somebody who is stoned, somebody who is done, but still, Hashem is very protective, Hashem wants to protect everyone, and then too, he takes that into consideration, and then on the other, on the other interpretation, we also see how great the power of work, Rabbi uh, brings out power of work to do, to go ahead and be productive and work, not only for the return, the monetary return or the reward from the work, but just the idea of doing the work, uh, being involved and doing the work and being active and going out there and working, that has a lot of greatness to it. That has a lot of value to it. Don't take away the power to work I mean, in this case, it almost seems like, again, I'm not sure, but the way the Rebbe explains it, uh, that the ox uh, can do work, but I'm assuming he stole the ox, the ox will be doing work at his place. So it's not like it's not going to work. If he stole it, I mean, what is he going to do with it? Or maybe he's hiding it. Maybe he's afraid uh, anybody's going to see it. Maybe he's put it away for a little bit. But the power of work, and matter of fact, the, uh, the, the, the verse states that a person was created to do work. Adam, uh, not only to do work, a person is created to put in effort, to work hard. That's what we were created for. Created for, which means that is actually that makes us feel good, then we feel accomplished rather than sitting, you know, and doing nothing, you know, it makes us feel the fact that we can go out and that, you know, we can go ahead and do things. Um, the, um, 
The Gemara says, but what kind of efforts? It could be, you can work hard, you know, schlepping boxes. <laughs> you can work hard trying to daven. You can work hard trying to learn. Various different work, but as long as you work hard, you can do, a person should always be with us. Let's do a little bit of the next, um, the next talk. This is this one. The next, the, the first, the first, the third one. Uh, this is a uh, the part. This also gets to be, you know, at this time of the night, a little complicated. But let me first start off with the the story of the Talmud. And this has to do with the parsha. I'll say in a, explain in a minute. But this has to do with the story of the Talmud. The Talmud says it was the great sage, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And when he got sick, his student came in to visit him. And as he saw them, he started to cry. So his students say to him, why are you crying? You know, they wrote, they, they complimented him his powers and how special he was. Ask them, why are you crying? He says, look, he says, if I had to stand before a human king, a king of flesh and blood, if I have to stand in judgment before a king of flesh and blood, I would tremble because I have to give an accounting of what I did and where I'm standing. Now that I'm dying, so they're leading me before the King of Kings, the Holy One, blessed be He. He lives forever. He says there is two paths, two paths in front of me. One path leads to heaven, and one path leads to purgatory, to Gehenna. I don't know, he says, in which one they're going to take me, which path they're taking me. Are they taking me to Gan Eden or are they taking me to Gehenna? He says, how could I not cry? He says, I'm trembling, I'm in fear. How could it be? I don't know where I'm going. So the question really is, what does this all mean? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka was a great sage. He learned Torah and he did mitzvahs. He was one of the greatest of the sages mentioned in the Talmud. Why would he say, I don't know which direction they're leading me. Why didn't he know which direction is leading me? And then... He's human. Yes, but, but he knew that he did all... He knew that he did everything right. And the other question is, why did it only bother him at the time before he was going to pass on? Why did he not worry about it during his lifetime. He should have worried about that. How come we don't find this that during his lifetime he worried about it? 
But the Rebbe explains a very important insight and lesson. The Rebbe says, God gives every person a certain amount of days. It's based on the verse that says, Yomim Yutsoru. We all have a certain amount of days that we are in this world. Every day that we're in this world, we have to be busy with doing what is expected of us, doing our shalichas, doing our job, doing our mission, every day. If we have an extra day that we don't do anything, we don't utilize every day for the purpose, it means that we're wasting a gift that Hashem has given us and we've just not utilized it. The Rebbe explains that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, being such a great sage, he never took the time to figure out where he is really standing in the sense he was preoccupied in the study of Torah and doing his shalichas, being all the time occupied in that. So therefore, he never sat and figured out, oh, am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to go to purgatory? What's going to happen to me? He was busy doing his work, not busy finding out. What is going to happen to him? Where he goes? A lot of times, people do things for ulterior motives. They don't do things because they serve Hashem. So even though someone may do things in the right way, but he's not sure that it was done for the sake of Shemayim. But until the time that it came for him to pass away, he never thought about himself. He was busy what he needs to do. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about Reuven Only towards the end of his life when if not now when it's the end of his life. So that is when he started saying did I really fulfill my mission the way I should? The Rebbe brings out from this, there is a, it connects to a law that we learn from the Parsha of the Mishpotim, in which the Rebbe connects that if a person is always preoccupied with doing what he needs to do, so then eventually that is forgives and helps him with everything else. Because at the end of the day, I mean, Rabbi Yochanan Zakai was crying. We're wondering, he was wondering where I'm going. But we know where Rabbi Yochanan Zakai was going. We know for sure. It was only him and his level of his, of his humility and said that he wasn't sure. But of course, Rabbi Yochanan Zakai was a great tzaddik and he went into Gan Eden. But the Rebbe brings this out after a whole discussion that if a person is always preoccupied in doing 
what they need to do, and they don't really say, oh, am I going to get a lot of reward? Am I going to get a little reward? How does this benefit me? How does it make me greater? But the person is devoted to doing what needs to be done without consideration for himself. That leads him to actually to the highest level. So, at the end of you, you say, where am I going? What am I doing? But that person has accomplished. And as it says in the end of the Parsha, you know, we work hard. It says that Hashem will bless us that it says that two things. It says, Loitia Mishakela Vaakora. It means that there will be no woman losing their children. It's a blessing. And there will be no woman not having children. So it will be two blessings. Loitia Mishakela. What does that mean on a spiritual level? A lot of times we work hard. We want to connect to Hashem. We want to love Hashem. Somehow we can't give birth to that love and to that fear of Hashem. There's something blocking it. That's called a mishakelo. That's called uh, that's called an akora. That would mean a barren can't can have the child, which means you can't create that love. Or mishakelo means even if you have a love to Hashem, but very quickly you lose that child which means that it's not consistent. You don't hold on to it. You don't keep that going. It's, you get excited, and you say, I love Hashem, and then the next day, you forget about what you just said the day before. So the verse says, that this will be Hashem's blessing, that whatever we do, as long as we try to do what's right, and our mind is focused on living a life the way Hashem wants us to live our life, so then we will merit God's blessings that our work and our effort is not going to be in vain, and we are going to be able to reach the highest levels possible. Okay, this is uh, a little bit more complicated, but I did the best I can for giving over a little bit of this.